And all God's people say it. Romans 10, Romans 10. Grab your Bibles and turn to Romans 10. Ladies and gentlemen, that's exactly what happened, what you just saw. When you come to Jesus, you brought him your sin and took back his righteousness. I'll be honest, I seen some of them up here that was sure enough sinners too. (coughs) I ain't going to name no names or look no direction, amen. Amen. (laughs) You know, if we're all honest, we're all sure enough sinners. All of us. Uh, One of the greatest preachers that ever breathed air. One of the most holy, righteous men that's ever been. They said his last words, when people would come and see him and come talk to him while, while he was dying, he would tell every person to come in the room. He said, I'm a great sinner, but he's a great Savior. I guess if you sum everything up, that's about what it is. Amen? We're great sinners, and he's a great Savior. Romans chapter number 10 uh, I, we're going we're gonna to just look through this, and I, I, I cannot get off of this topic of salvation. I guess if you're going to have a topic to get hung up on, that'd be a good one, amen? amen. But Romans 10, we, we found out last week, we found out last week that, that we're some unrighteous folks, right? right. And, and, and unrighteous folks can't get in, and, and it's going to take righteousness, and we can't get it on our own because the best we can do is as filthy rags in God's eyes. So God said, I'll just give you mine. And we learn that God will justify the believer. Justify, which means he will will declare them righteous. Now, how many of y'all want to be righteous? All right. Now, how do we get that? That's the, that's, the, that's the thing. That's, how, that's what we're going to deal with today. All right, we know that if we come to Christ, we know if we, we come to God, God said he would offer us his righteousness because ours is not good enough, so he will give us his righteousness. So let's talk about that a little while. Are y'all ready this morning? All right, Romans chapter 10 in verse number one. <clears throat> Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. 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 For I bear them record, he said, but they got a problem. He said, I bear them record that they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. For they being ignorant of God's righteousness, and they are going about to establish their own righteousness. They've not submitted themselves into the righteousness of God. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believeth. For Moses describeth the righteousness which is of the law, that the man which doeth those things shall live by them. But the righteousness which is of faith speaketh on this wise. Say not in thine heart, who shall ascend into heaven? Or or, or that is to bring Christ down from above. Or who shall descend into the deep? That is to bring up Christ again from the dead. But what saith it? It's the word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thine heart. That is the word of faith. The word of faith which we preach. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus... And shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead. Thou shalt be saved. That just has a good ring to it, doesn't it? Let's say that again. Thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness. And with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture saith, Whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. 
For there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek, for the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him. Now let's all read verse 13 and we'll pray. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Say it again. Shall be saved. Father, thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you for the, 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 the treasure of Scripture. God, I pray for your anointing. I've already felt it and it's already been a blessing. I've already been blessed in this place. And God, I pray that you'll just touch your word, touch the scriptures. And Lord, I pray, I know in a building this size, in a crowd this size, there's someone here that doesn't know you as their savior. I pray today would be the last day they live in a lost condition, but they will give you their life today and surrender their heart to you. I pray for your perfect will to be done. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> you may be seated. There is so much, there is so much uh, truth in these verses. I, I, I went over it and over it and over it. And I, I, had, I had 10 or 12 outlines before I was, I was done and I knew I had just a short time. And, and so you got to narrow stuff down to try to fit it in the time slot that you have. But there's so much to be said about this. There's so much to be said about Paul's desire and his burden for his brethren and, and his heart for souls. He said, he said, my heart's desire and prayer. Man, it was a burning desire in his heart. It was, it was his passion. It was what he lived for. It's what he ate and, and, and listen, went to bed thinking about it, got up thinking about it. He wanted to see his brethren saved. Now, I tell you what, we as God's children, we should have that same burden. We should have that same desire to see other people saved. He said, my heart's desire and prayer for Israel is that they might be saved. He said, but they got a problem. They got a problem. Now, this problem uh, is a universal problem. I am found out that this is not just the Jews that's got this problem that we're going to talk about. It, it's not. Now, here's what it says. He says, they are, they are zealous for God. And in other words, for a higher power, if you will, because they didn't even really know the God that they thought they was praying to. They have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. So let's, let's put this in here. Let's say it this way. They had a zeal for religion. Let me say it that way. They had a zeal for religion, for the rules and the, and the regulations and the, and the do's and the don'ts and, and what they thought it took to be right with God because they had them down and they loved. Matter of fact, they worshiped their religion more than what their religion was pointing to. And boy, we do that today. There's people all over this world that's worshiping a style of worship instead of the one they're supposed to be worshiping. They have a zeal of God, but here's the problem, not according to knowledge, not according to knowledge. And if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. I want you to see first, number one, I want you to see the pattern that's followed. There was a pattern going on and, it, and it's still going on. It's still going on. I, I put this down. I put this down in my notes. It was a pattern of enthusiastic ignorance. <clears throat> A pattern of enthusiastic ignorance. You know, it's one thing to be ignorant, but it's another thing to be enthusiastic about it. Now, some of that will dawn on you in just a moment. I have run into ignorant people, and it's not a shame to be ignorant. It just means you don't know something. But when you're excited about it, uh, that's a shame. Old-time preachers... 
told John R. Rice, they said, God doesn't need your education. And he said, he don't need your ignorance neither. <laughs> ignorance. It means a lack of knowledge. A lack of knowledge. They had no knowledge. They were very excited. They were very enthusiastic. But they had no knowledge. They didn't know what they were talking about, basically. Yeah. How many of y'all have seen people like that? Yeah. Don't point, just raise your hand. They didn't know what they were talking about it, but they were excited about it. Amen. You say, what's the big deal? You know what? God, God just kind of revealed something to me this week. And just thinking about this thing, being enthusiastically ignorant is a very dangerous thing because this is what happens. It creates fanaticism in unbelievers and it creates legalism in believers. Preacher, what do you mean? It is enthusiastic ignorance that will cause a man to get in an airplane and drive it into a building thinking he's doing God a favor. You cannot tell me they're not zealous. You cannot tell me they're not enthusiastic about what they think or what they believe. But the problem is, is they're ignorant. They're ignorant of truth. They're ignorant of righteousness. They're ignorant of the God who think they, who they think they're serving. So this is what it does. Zeal without knowledge will cause a man to drive a plane into a building. But then when it comes to save people, we have the same problem in the American church. Zeal without knowledge will cause you to add rules that's not in the Bible. It'll cause people to disfellowship with other people because they think they're not as holy as they are. Zeal without knowledge will cause you to go about and create your own righteousness, which will in turn make you self-righteous. And when Christians become self-righteous, then they become judgmental. And they judge everybody else by their own list of rules. But that's not the message. I just felt I needed to share that. How many of y'all would agree enthusiastic ignorance is terrible? But that's what they had. It wasn't that they were not religious. Man, they, they, they crossed every T and they dotted every I and they were very meticulous about the rules and the regulations they kept and the religion they followed. The only problem was is they didn't know what they were talking about. They accused Jesus of being a wine-bibber. They accused Jesus of being a party-goer. They accused Jesus of all kinds of things. Matter of fact, they even said he did miracles by the devil. You see, the problem is not with religion. That's not the problem. The problem is not even being zealous. The problem is being ignorant. I would love to see 2,000 people be zealous of truth. Well, you're just kind of fanatical. You're just taking this too far. I don't mind anybody being fanatical if they're, they're right. Are y'all with me? Matter of fact, I don't think you can be too radical if you're right. Are y'all with me? But see, they wasn't. They were not right. They were not right. They were ignorant. They didn't know. They were not worshiping according to knowledge. So what happens? What happens when you have zeal? How, how many, <laughs> let's put it this way. How many y'all know? How many y'all know them little fellas? I, I, I walked through, I walked through 
uh, uh, the gym during preschool, and, 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 I, and I watched them little guys, and uh, it, the girls too sometimes, but mostly the guys. Do you know even, even when they're sitting at lunch, eating lunch, they're still moving? <laughs> Have y'all noticed that? I mean, they're sitting at lunch and they're doing this number. I mean, it's just all they can do while they're doing. And it, they never stop moving. See me coming. Hey, preacher. They, they're, I mean, it's in them. And I'm thinking to myself, dear God, where did that go in my life? Wouldn't y'all like to have some of that now? But see, it's in them and it's going to come out. So they've got zeal and they've got energy. It's going to come out somewhere. And here's the problem. When people have zeal, it's going to come out. So if they're ignorant and they don't know the truth, they're going to make up their own. So what was the next thing? The Bible says they they had a zeal of God but not according to knowledge. So what did they do? It's going to come out somewhere. They're going to do something. They're going to worship something. So they went about to establish their own righteousness. And guess what? If you're ignorant of what is right, you will always try to make up something, even if it's wrong. I, I, read, this, I read this article. <clears throat> I read this article. This is what I'm talking about. There was an armed robber named Dennis Lee Curtis who was arrested in 1992 in Rapid City, South Dakota. Curtis apparently had scruples about his thievery, though. In his wallet, the police found a sheet of paper on which was written the following code. I will not kill anyone unless I have to. <laughs> I will take cash and food stamps, but no checks. I will rob. This is true. This is a true story. I will rob only at night. I will not wear a mask. I will not rob many marts or 7-Eleven stores. If I get chased by cops on foot, I will get away. If chased by a vehicle, I will not put lives of innocent civilians on the line. What? That's very noble. <clears throat> I will rob only seven months out of the year. I will enjoy robbing from the rich to give to the poor. Now, what is, what, what is the deal? This thief had a sense of morality, but it was flawed. Watch this. Because it was his own. It was his own. He created his own righteousness. He created his own law, if you will. But there was a problem with that thinking. He was not judged when he was taken to court by his own law or his own thinking of what is right and wrong, the own, the, his own righteousness or his own morality. He was judged by the law of the state. And see, this is where we get in a problem because people all over this world have their own sense of righteousness. They have their own sense of right and wrong. You say, well, you might think it's bad, but I think it's okay. And, and so if we judge each other by each other, uh, we are in good shape. But there's only one problem. We're going to be judged by him. Yeah. Are y'all with me? This pattern, this pattern that's followed, it's a pattern of enthusiastic ignorance. It's, it's a pattern of misguided effort. Misguided effort. Proverbs 14, 12. There is a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. Wouldn't it be sad to know you was climbing a ladder your whole life to find out when you get to the top you were on the wrong building? Y'all with me? It says this. Proverbs 30, 10. There is a generation that are pure in their own eyes. Man, you see it on social media every day. 
There is a generation that are pure in their own eyes. In other words, the way they see themselves. But yet is not washed from their filthiness. 2 Corinthians says it all. 2 Corinthians 10, 11. For we dare not make ourselves of the number or compare ourselves with some that commend themselves. But they measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves are not wise. What, what is he saying? He's saying, uh, uh, here's how they measure their own righteousness or their, their, their morality or whether they're, they're going to get in or not. Uh, I compare myself to the one beside me. Well, if I do that, I, beside Charles Manson, I look pretty good. <clears throat> Y'all with me? And I would say that beside a lot of people I've met in my life, I look pretty good. But you know what? There's other people I've met in my life I don't stack up real good by. Because they're a whole lot better than me. But see, here's the problem. We're not going to be measured this way. Now see, this is what this calls it. Do y'all remember? Do y'all remember the Pharisee? Do y'all remember the Pharisee that Jesus was talking about in the temple who was praying? Watch his prayer. This is what I'm talking about. You remember what I said? If we're ignorant of what is right, if we're ignorant of true righteousness, then we're going to go about to establish our own, which will make us self-righteous. We will make our own list. We will make our own laws. And we will, we will judge ourselves by our own list. And it will make us look good, but it will cause us to be self-righteous. And self-righteousness always causes us to be judgmental. Watch. Here's the proof. Luke 18, 11. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank thee that I am not as other men are, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this publican. There was a publican, a tax collector, that, was, that, that all the Jews considered to be heinous, heinous sinners, horrible sinners, because they worked for the Romans against their own, their own kinfolk. And so they were the worst of the worst. And did you notice? Did you notice what the what the the, uh, the the Pharisee did? He named sins that he didn't have a problem with. Man, it's quiet now. You see, when we start pointing fingers at other people, what we do is we name sins we don't have a problem with. Bless God, all these drunkards around here got this alcohol, blah, blah, blah. You know why I say that? Because I don't have a problem with it. <laughs> but I'm not going to mention them ones I struggle with. I don't want... Hey, I, I'm still preaching, y'all. Y'all can see it. I want to run around and talk about riffraff and this type of people. They're not our kind. What does that mean? Oh, that means they don't do what you do. But what do you do that they don't? Let's move right along. <laughs> Can y'all see this happening today? You see, they, they didn't know. They were ignorant. And because they were ignorant, they just went, went just made up their own. They went about to establish their own righteousness. But here's the problem with that. Number two, not only is there a pattern that's followed, but there's a pursuit that's futile. There's a pursuit that's futile. Hey, here's, what, here's what Paul says. Now, he says, he says they're going about to establish their own righteousness. They're trying to live by the law, but he said there's a problem with that. There's a problem with that. Look what it says. 
Verse 4, For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believeth. For Moses described the righteousness which is of the law, that the man which doeth those things shall live by them. And we're, we're the, the, the chapter he's talking about in the Old Testament, what Moses is saying is that if you live by these, you live. If you, if you break them, you're cursed. In other words, let's just put it plainly, the only way to get to heaven by the law is to follow it perfectly. In other words, you have to be perfect. You cannot break any law. Because if you break one, then you're guilty of them all. Let me show you. Let me show you. Let me give you some verses. Let me give you some verses. Galatians 3.10. Why is this pursuit so futile? Because it's impossible to achieve. This is what Paul is trying to tell them. What you're trying to do is impossible. Galatians 3.10. For as many as are of the works of the law are under the curse. For it is written, Cursed is everyone that continueth not in all things. That's important. You've got to continue in all things. You can't break any of them. Continue in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them. James 2.10. For whosoever shall keep the whole law and yet offend in one point, he is guilty of all. For he that said, do not commit adultery, said also, do not kill. Now if thou commit no adultery, yet if thou kill, thou art become a transgressor of the law. In other words, you say you might have these eight down good, and you just or these nine down good, and you just break one, that makes you a lawbreaker. That makes you a lawbreaker. And so a lawbreaker is considered unrighteous. A lawbreaker is considered unrighteous because he did not live up to the standard that's required by God. And that standard is perfection. So what Paul is telling them, he says, this this journey that you're on, this, this thing you're trying to accomplish, it's futile in its pursuit because it's an impossible task. It's impossible. Nobody can do it. Nobody can be perfect. Haven't we all figured that out by now? So it's impossible. It's impossible to achieve. Listen, it's futile because not only is living completely perfectly by the law impossible to achieve, we totally be, we totally misunderstood its purpose. The Jewish people, they, they totally misunderstood the purpose of the law. God did not, you remember what we said last week? God did not send the law to save them. God sent the law to show them they needed to be saved. Remember, it's not a, it's a monitor. <clears throat> you remember the commercial? It is there to reveal sin. It reveals what's really in us. Are y'all with me? Most of the time, if you were not here last week, let's use this illustration again. Most of the time, most of the time, if the speed limit says 70, what do you go? Mm -hmm. All right, if it says 40, what do you go? 45. 50, 55. You know what? That sign's just there to show you you're a sinner. Do I have a witness? And that's all the law was. Watch it. Let me give you verses. Let me give you verses. I'm not just going to give you my opinion. Let me give you verses. Romans 3.20. 
Romans 3.20, Therefore by the deeds of the law there shall no flesh be justified in his sight. Why? No flesh can be justified or rendered righteous. You remember what does justified mean? Declared righteous? And nobody can be righteous by following the deeds of the law. Why? For by the deeds or by the law is the what? Knowledge. knowledge. The knowledge of sin. It's the knowledge of sin. It's the law that gives us the knowledge of sin. How, what do you mean, preacher? Romans 7, 7. Romans 7, 7. What shall we say then? Is the law sin? God forbid. Nay. I had not known sin, but by the law. Why? Watch this. For I had not known lust, except the law had said, thou shalt not covet. So what does it mean? I would, I would, I would have never known. I'd have never known lust was bad. Until I saw the law. How many of y'all have, maybe you've been in a gym or maybe you've been in a pool or maybe, maybe something and, and, and something. Uh, have, I, I remember we, we, we was working out when I was living in South Carolina, me and a bunch of guys. There was this uh, private gym that this, this man built for his own son and had all the weights in it and everything. And we'd go in there. We was working out, having a big time and, and never wore shirts in there. Never. None of the guys ever wore shirts in there. Uh, whatever vain pride, whatever it is, just hoping we'd see a difference. I don't know. But anyway, we never wore shirts in there. And, and, and so that thing closed down and we went to another gym. Well, I didn't know. I didn't know. I thought it was just like everything else. Well, I was in there and I went to take my shirt off. And he said, whoa, 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 don't do it. You can't take that off in here. It was a rule. There was a law. But I didn't know it till I read the law. The law showed me that's wrong. You see what I'm saying? And what God is saying here, I didn't send the law to save you. I sent the law to show you you needed to be saved. Watch this. Watch what the law does. Watch what the law does. This is great. Galatians 3.24. Wherefore, the law was our schoolmaster to do what? To bring us unto Christ. What's the point? The truth is this. You cannot get saved until you get lost. Let me say that again because that's really important. You cannot get saved until you get lost. Until you understand and you get in your mind and your heart and you understand the truth that we are all sinners undone. There is none righteous, no, not one. You know what? Getting somebody saved is not difficult at all. Getting somebody saved is not difficult at all. But living in the Bible Belt, what I have found to be the most difficult thing to do is get somebody lost. Because as soon as you meet somebody, you knock on the door and by, hey, are you? Oh, yeah, I'm a Christian. Hadn't been to church since, listen, since Moby Dick was a minna. Wouldn't even know. Hey, you go to church? Oh, yeah, I go that one. You know, that one over off that road over there by the, uh, uh, yeah. I said, who's the preacher? Oh, uh, uh, I think we got a new one. <clears throat> but, but you know what? Brother Sam, you ask, oh, yeah, I'm saved. I'm saved. You know why they're saying that? Because I'm in the South. And I grew up in the Bible Belt. And my granny and Paul Paul went to church. You see, getting somebody saved is not hard. It's getting them to understand they're lost. And here's the bad part. Here's the bad part. The better someone is, the harder it is to get them lost. 
You find a good old boy, he's just a good old boy. Y'all know what they are. South's full of them. Just good old boys. Give you a shirt off their back. Wouldn't, wouldn't, wouldn't steal from nobody if they was forced to. I mean, would help anybody, but they don't know Christ. And you have a hard time convincing that person that they're a sinner on their way to hell. I've never in my life seen people that, that get more righteous by the moment at their funeral. I've been sitting in the audience sometimes and I'm thinking, are, are we thinking about the same person here? And here, this is a problem. Because you can't get saved until you get lost. You cannot get saved till you kneel broken, repentant at the cross of Calvary and bring your sins that you know you have before a saving Christ. And God sent this law not to save you because you can't follow it and get saved. He sent it so you could see that you're a sinner in need of saving. And all of God's people see it. Look at this last one. This is a good one. Listen, there's a, there's a pattern that's followed. There's a, what I say? What was that second one? There's a pursuit that's futile. But there's a promise that's found. <clears throat> I love this. This is my favorite. There's a promise that's found. Look what he says. Look what he says. Verse 6. But the righteousness which is of faith speaketh on this life. In other words, Paul is saying if it was a person, this is what it would say. If righteousness was a person and it had a voice, this is what it would say. Look in verse 6. But the righteousness which is of faith speaketh on this wise, say not in thine heart who shall ascend into heaven. What is to bring Christ down from above? Or who shall descend into the deep? That is to bring up Christ again from the dead. But what saith it? The word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thine heart. That is the word of you know what? You know what this promise is? You know what righteousness is screaming? If righteousness had a voice, if righteousness could speak to you, righteousness would tell you this. It's not complicated, people. This is not hard. This is easy. You don't have to go on a quest. You don't have to try to go up into the heavens to find God. You don't have to go down in the depths of the, of the, of the, the world of the dead to find God. You don't have to go on a journey. You don't have to do all these different things that all the religions of the world tell you you have to do. And listen, it's right in your mouth. You don't have to do a certain amount of Hail Marys. You don't have to go visit Mecca. You don't have to go to the Holy Land. Listen, if you never make it to the Holy Land, if you never make it out of Alabama, it doesn't matter. Listen, it's faith. He said, it's not hard. That's what Paul is saying. You don't have to go on a quest. You don't have to, you don't have to go out searching. I've heard people say, I'm trying to find God. And I'm like, what? He's not lost. Matter of fact, he's looking for you. You don't have to go anywhere to find him. His word says he's nigh. He's an ever-present God. He's everywhere and he's waiting and he's looking. He wants you to be saved. This is easy. 
Salvation is not hard. Salvation and deliverance and God's righteousness is not hard. It's easy. It's in your mouth. It's faith. This word of Come on, everybody. This word of faith. faith. It's about faith. It's not works. You cannot work your way to heaven. You cannot be good enough to get in. It's by faith. Let me read it. Let me read it. I'm almost out of time. God help us. What is is righteousness? What is God's righteousness screaming? What, what is God's righteous voice saying? What is righteousness telling us today? That this is easy. This is not complicated. 2 Corinthians eleven three. 3. But I fear lest by any means as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety that your mind should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. Christ made it so that the person with the least amount of knowledge and the least amount of intelligence could come to him. The least amount of reputation, the least amount of money. A beggar on the street who has never been to school, could not read or write, has the same opportunity to get saved as the rich, wealthy, educated person on Wall Street. It's simple. Listen, B, there's nothing required but faith. Nothing required but faith. What saith it? The word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thy heart. That is the word of faith. Come on, everybody. That is the word of That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture saith, Whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. For there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call on him. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. What are we talking about? God's righteousness. Our righteousness is unrighteousness. Our righteousness is not good enough. Our good deeds are not good enough. So God said he would give us his. How do we get that? Ephesians 2, 8. For by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourself it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Romans three twenty one. But now the righteous... Now listen, 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 listen. But now the righteousness of God. Isn't that what we're after? Now the righteousness of God without the law is manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ, unto all and upon all them that believe, for there is no difference. Paul said to the Philippian believers in Philippians 3, 9, and be found in him, not having mine own righteousness, You remember where we started this thing in the beginning? They were ignorant of God's righteousness, so they went about to establish their their own righteousness. But Paul is saying here, I don't want to be found in my own. But what? It says, my own righteousness, which is of the law. In other words, doing good deeds. But that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness, which is of God by faith. Faith. Ladies and gentlemen, 
This ain't hard. If you are trying to be good to get into heaven, you're going to be sorely disappointed when you get there. Because God is not going to measure you this way. I have heard all kinds of people. Don't look at me. Don't, don't check out on me. Check out. Look at me. Look at me. Stay with me. Stay with me, people. I know when I get to that last point, y'all will be wrapping up. I ain't wrapping up yet. Listen. There's this, there's this idea that when you get to heaven, God is going to measure your good deeds by your bad deeds. And if your good deeds outweigh your bad deeds, then you're going to get in. Honey, if that is what you're depending on to get to heaven, I, 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 I hate to break your heart. But you ain't getting in. If that could have been possible, Jesus would have never had to die. But it was impossible. That pursuit is futile. Because we can't be perfect. But we had a perfect God. Who came and lived a perfect life. And offered a perfect sacrifice to give imperfect people his own perfection. And all you got to do is receive it by faith. Receive it by faith. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation. Why? It reveals that the just shall live. By faith. It's all faith. Will you believe today? Will you take your faith and place it in the cross? What does that mean? What does that mean? You know, we, we, we say these things, and, and, and people have been in church a long time, they know what that means. But what does it mean to place your faith in Christ? In other words, you're depending on what Jesus did on the cross to get you to heaven, not what you can do here on earth. And let me just say this while I'm here. Let me just say this while I'm here. There are people that believe that you get saved by faith, but you don't keep it by faith. In other words, you don't, you don't get saved by, by doing good, but you got to do good to keep it. Do you understand how foolish that sounds? If it was a sheer impossibility for you to be good enough to earn it, how in the world do you think you're going to be good enough to keep it? You say, well, how do we keep it then? We don't. He does. We are kept by the power of God. No, we're through. I done got in trouble too many times going late. Y'all stand. Everybody stand. I'm I don't get in trouble, y'all. 